0: Awesome. How are we doing? It's good. I'm doing good. Are you really doing good? Okay, well, that's good. It's wonderful to see you all, and it's great to be back at church. I've been loving being back at church because if you didn't know, I've been away the last two weeks looking after my brand new son, <laughs> Levi, who's three weeks old tomorrow. He's three weeks old tomorrow, and he's the best thing in the world, and he's amazing. So that's been really cool. But there really is nothing like missing a few Sundays to make you appreciate how amazing church really is. There's nothing like being away or coming back from a holiday or doing something that takes you away from church to make you again appreciate how incredible it is to be part of a church and how wonderful it is to have family here and just be able to see everybody and interact and just feel so at home. And in preparation for tonight, I've really been reflecting on these past two and a half weeks that I've been away and how I've just been overwhelmingly humbled and amazed at the generosity of the people in this church. Over the past two and a half weeks, Anna and I have only had to cook one meal because people in this church continue to bring us food every evening. In fact, we haven't had to buy him any clothing. Because people in this church continue to give us their hand-me-downs and pass them on. In fact, most of the things that he's been using, the bed he sleeps in, the clothes he wears, the bottle he's feeding from, the blankets that keep him warm, all of these things have been lent to us by the amazing people in this church. Just the incredible generosity of people here. And I know that that's not just the case for Anna and I, but that's been the case for many other parents who've experienced that same love and support and generosity. And for me, it's really living out what Acts 2.44 says, where it says the believers were together and shared everything in common. It is an amazing thing to be part of a church. It is an amazing thing to be part of a church. Never, ever take it for granted. Never, ever take it for granted how wonderful the church is. Yes, it can have flaws. Yes, it can have its faults. But at the end of the day, the church is full of loving, kind, generous, supportive, and compassionate people. And your life is always going to be better off when you have those people in your life. Your life is going to always be better off when you are surrounded by those kinds of people. And we live in a nation where we can do that freely. We don't have to worry about being oppressed or persecuted from the government or for anything else. Please never take for granted how incredible the church really is. And this ties into what I want to talk about tonight. Because one of the reasons the church is full of these kinds of people is because these people have responded to God. These people have responded to God, but not only that, their response to God influences the way they interact with other people. Their response to God has an impact on the way they live their lives, the way that the actions they have, the way they talk, and the way they deal with the people around them. We've been talking about respond for the last few months, but it's important to remember that our response to God must always lead us to have an impact on others. Our response to God must always have an impact on the people around us, when you truly respond to God, when you truly have a revelation of God's grace in your life, when you truly understand the lengths that Jesus went to to save you and the things that he's done for you, the way you respond to people has to be drastically different. It cannot help but change. Your interactions with people will always be better off. Our response to God has to dictate our response to others. And so to look at this a little bit further, I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at the first 10 verses because in this passage is a man named Zacchaeus. A man named Zacchaeus. So I want to start up at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So in the first two verses we're introduced to the two key people in our story, Jesus and Zacchaeus, and we're told a couple of key things about them. The first thing we're told is Jesus was in Jericho and he was passing through. He was passing through. Jesus was actually on his final trip back to Jerusalem before being crucified. He'd been out in Israel, out in the various towns, up in Galilee, ministering and healing people and doing all the amazing things that he did. But Passover was coming up. And so it was time for him to return to Jerusalem where he would eventually be crucified. And so on his way back, he was passing through Jericho. And then next we're introduced to the man named Zacchaeus and we're told he was the chief tax collector. The chief tax collector. Now, this is an important detail because this automatically tells us that he was not a popular man. This automatically tells us that he would not have been liked by the people around him. He wouldn't have been on anyone's party guest list. He would have already been unpopular because tax collectors were locals, they were local people who were employed by the Roman Empire to collect their taxes. They were employed by the Roman Empire to collect taxes that they had to send back to Rome to pay for the roads, to pay for the army, to pay for the oppression that was upon the people that were under them. And so they were given a fixed amount of money. They were given a target of money that they needed to collect that they had to send back to Rome. They were given an amount that they had to give back, and they would send that. But no one else knew the amount that they had to collect. So the tax collectors were able to collect above and beyond that amount, and anything above and beyond that amount that didn't go to Rome, they were able to pocket for themselves. They could pocket for themselves. So the tax collector literally made their living by cheating their countrymen, by cheating their fellow people. But then we're also given a second part to that sentence, which says, and he was wealthy. And he was wealthy. And at first, it seems like a bit of an irrelevant detail to add, because being wealthy and being a tax collector kind of come hand in hand. It was sort of the nature of the job he was in, but the passage goes above and beyond to tell us, no, 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 he, he was wealthy. He was wealthy. This guy was well off. He was good at what he did. He was the chief tax collector. He knew how to swindle. He wasn't just a cheat. He was a good one. He wasn't just a cheat. He was a good one. He was good at what he did, and the people in his life would know that. So let's carry on in verse three. He, being Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Jesus decides to invite himself over for dinner And that's massive because what you've got to remember, like I said earlier, Jesus was originally passing through this town. This was just a minor stop on the road. Jesus was passing through. He was on a mission. He was on his way to the most important mission in the history of mankind, to be crucified, to take away the sins of the world. That was the schedule that Jesus was running to. Yet he allows himself to be interrupted by this man, Zacchaeus. And in Jewish law, entering the home of a so-called sinner as they would have called Zacchaeus. Entering the home of a sinner would have made you ceremonially unclean. It would make you unclean. It would make you impure. So Jesus is doing more than just inviting himself over for dinner. Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, I'm looking past your faults. I'm I'm willing to get my hands dirty. I'm willing to look past your mistakes, to look past your history, to look past the things that you've done because I want to be involved in your life. Jesus is not made impure by sinners. Jesus makes sinners pure. But it got me thinking, why did Jesus stop for Zacchaeus? Why did Jesus stop for Zacchaeus? Why not anybody else? We're told that there was a crowd there. There was a great crowd. Zacchaeus couldn't even get through it. There would have been hundreds of people for Jesus to choose from if he really needed somewhere to stay. What was it about Zacchaeus that caught Jesus' attention? And I think that it was because out of all the people in that crowd... Out of all the people that we're told about in that crowd, Zacchaeus went to the greatest length to position himself to be close to Jesus. Climbing a tree as a grown man wasn't the most respectable thing to do in those days. It wasn't the most appropriate thing for an adult to be doing. Yet Zacchaeus was willing to put his image aside, to put his pride aside, to inconvenience himself to be close to Jesus. And so in response, Jesus inconveniences himself to be close to Jesus. To Zacchaeus. And the Bible says that when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. That is what's happening here. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. And I really love this line because I can almost see Jesus saying it with a little bit of a smile on his face. I can almost see the smirk that Jesus has when he says this because he, I know, and Jesus knew that he was talking about far more than just Zacchaeus' physical house. He was talking about his spiritual house as well. He was talking about his heart. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus' life was about to be radically changed and turned upside down. He says to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today, but what he really meant is I'm coming into your heart today. I'm entering into your life today. He already knew the life that Zacchaeus had lived. He knew the things that he'd done. He knew the mistakes he'd made, the way he'd wronged people. Yet he looks Zacchaeus in the eye and says, I wanna be involved in your life. He gives Zacchaeus a choice. He gives Zacchaeus a choice, and it may not sound like it because of the way that Jesus phrases it. He says, I'm, I'm staying at your house. It doesn't sound like a choice, but Zacchaeus could have still said no. He could have still got out the other end of the tree, walked away, locked his door. He didn't have to allow Jesus into his home, but the next verse says, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. His response was yes. His response was yes. This was Zacchaeus's response to Jesus. He welcomed him gladly, welcomed him into his home, welcomed him into his heart and into his life. And then carrying on in the passage, it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. My first thought is, man, how loaded is this guy that he can pay people back four times the amount? But that's not relevant to the story. Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this heart, to this life, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So now we see that Zacchaeus's response to others has changed. The way Zacchaeus deals with people is now different to how it was before. He's gone from living a life of greed to now living a life of generosity. He's gone from living a life where it was all about him to now a life where he's willing to put others before him and actually make sacrifices for the people around him. Zacchaeus' response to God was now impacting the way he responded to others. Our response to God is made evident by the way we interact with other people. It's made evident by the way we deal with each other. You see, Zacchaeus had already experienced the grace of God before he gave away his possessions. He'd already experienced the love and the forgiveness when Jesus came to him and said, I'm staying at your house today. I'm looking past the mistakes in your life, he'd already shown him God's love and his forgiveness, and it was out of an overflow in Zacchaeus's heart, an overflow of God's love in his life, he couldn't help but give back what he had stolen. You could hear it in his language. He said, here and now, I can't wait any longer. This is too important. His response to people has now changed. His response to God was shown through his actions. The way we interact with each other, the way we talk about each other, the way we engage on social media, the things that we say, all our actions, all should point people to our response to God. Notice how Jesus reacts to Zacchaeus' actions. Today, salvation has come to this house. Jesus isn't saying that because Zacchaeus gave away all his possessions to the poor, that he's now saved. Zacchaeus didn't buy his salvation what Jesus was saying is now I can truly see the transformation that's taken place. Now I can see the change in your heart. Jesus was, was acknowledging what had happened in Zacchaeus's heart. And all I want is that when people look at my life, that when they see the actions that I take, when they see the way that I talk about people, I want people to look at my life and go, there is a transformation that's happened there. There is something different on his life. I can see it in the way he responds to others. I can see his response to God. I want my response to God to point people to the goodness of God. I want my response to others to point to what Jesus has done in my life, to point to the transformation that's taken place, to point to the hope that I carry, because I know that those people too need a revelation of Jesus in their life. They need a revelation of his love and of his grace. They need to hear him say, I must stay at your house today. And it's only a revelation of Jesus Christ in someone's life that is truly going to bring transformation. And I'm going to be bold enough to say it, but therapy is great. And social work is great. And youth work is great. And medication works wonders. But nothing is more powerful than when Jesus has a personal encounter in your life. When Jesus enters your life and turns you around 100%, nothing is going to change someone's life. If you have people in your life that need breakthrough, you need to be praying that they have an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. That is what is going to turn someone's life around. It only takes Jesus to be passing through. Notice how Jesus is only passing through and Zacchaeus' life was turned around. You only need a small encounter. You only need a small moment with God for your life to be radically different. He was passing through through. And the way we respond to others can unlock that in someone's life. The way people see you reacting with people, the way you talk. And Carl mentioned it this morning, when you go through situations, but you can still carry joy. When you go through hard times, but you still have hope in your actions, hope in your speech. And people see that and they go, what is different in your life? You go, it's because Jesus has stayed in my house today and he hasn't left. That is our response to people. And our response to God should always point people to the goodness of who he is and what he's done in your life. So I'm going to ask the panel to come and join us just as we finish. So as we go into this panel, this is a chance where if you want to send in questions or want to discuss a little bit about what's being shared, you can send those in. The phone will be up on the screen. But can I encourage you, our response to others has got to point people to God. If we've responded to God, if we've said yes to Him, then our actions will always be different. Our actions will always change and be leading people to Him. Awesome. God bless.
1: Hey, so welcome, guys. How's it going? It's good. Good? Good. 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 (laughs) I'm really Good. (laughs) Well, listen, so hey, as Jono mentioned, um, this is our time where we get to have a little bit of a chat around some of the stuff that Jono shared and sort of talk about some of the personal application side of it. Uh, so tonight on the panel as well, we have Carl and we have Jono. Would you guys like to tell us a little bit about yourselves briefly? Introduce yourselves? Well,
2: uh, well I'll tell you about Carl. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Jono. I'm one of two. But I'm Jono. <laughs>
1: We're not super original around here, it's okay.
2: <laughs> it does say Jono squared on the office door, so Sorry. it'll work. Um, no, I'm Jono, I'm the, one of the youth workers at Rickenham and Primary. Um, have been doing that for oh, a term and a bit, two terms and a bit now, um, and, and made my way out from Christchurch and have been here since about May last year. So, yeah. Hawks Bay. What did I say? Christchurch. Oh, okay. close. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hawke's Bay. It's a good upgrade. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, coast towns, it works. It works. Um, with no direction on what you want me to say about who I am, this is open, right? So yep. my claim to fame is I'm married to Angela Crocker. That's good. I I have two awesome kids, mm-hmm. and I've been saved, and I was saved in this church when I was 17, and I've been here ever since. And today I turned 40, so that you can work yeah, that out. Yeah, happy birthday! Happy birthday. Uh, it's exciting. What else do you want to know?
1: Yeah, that's good. Well should we maybe should we maybe start here? So you said you got saved when, when you were seventeen. Some people be a little familiar with your story and some won't. How has how has it changed from when you how did you treat people when you were sixteen to now forty? And what Jesus has done in your life? Is it the same? Is it different? Is it
3: how do I treat people? <laughs> Yeah. How has wow. your encounter
1: with God? How has your encounter with God shaped how you how you treat people? How much
3: time do we have? <laughs> um, it's radically different. So oh, I've got to try and get this into a time frame that everyone else gets something to say. But uh, I got saved when I was 17, right? And so I knew instantly that Christ had justified me. I was justified. But sanctification was a, has been a long and still is a journey in my life. But let me say that. So when I was 16. Uh, People had hurt me and affected my life in in numerous ways, in major ways, in my childhood. And so my response to people was one of, no one gets in, no one gets close. Uh, If anyone steps into my space and shouldn't be there, I'll make sure that they're pushed out of my space, uh, both verbally and physically. Uh, And so I was full of anger and hatred uh, and pain, uh, and I was suicidal and depressed, Uh, That was me at 16. At 17, I got saved. I was still the same person. I'd embraced God. I I shared it this morning if you were here. I'd embraced God, and I realized God was real, and I fell in love with God. I found God easy to love, but people I still found really difficult because God hadn't hurt me, but people had. And so that was a journey. That's a journey of sanctification, and I'm I'm still on it to some degree, but recognizing what God has done for me is what has helped me recognize how to love other people. What God has forgiven me for has helped me to forgive others. If I had time, forgiveness is the biggest key to all of my breakthrough, It's being able to forgive people for what they've done and recognize that, oh, by the way, God's also forgiven me for what I've done. And that helps me journey in the way that I can love people. Uh, and it's a process because as God works on me, I be, and the grace of God touches my life, I'm now able to give that grace to other people. When I recognize what Jesus did on the cross, for me, he's doing that for everyone. I'll use one example if that's right, and then I'll zip it. Uh, my, my father, I'll, I won't promise that, but I'll say that. Uh, my father was the one person who had, a, my stepfather, who had influenced my life negatively in a major way. Uh, and it was a huge process for me to go on to forgive him and to work through what he had done to me. And it was a revelation for me that God died on the cross for me, but he also died on the cross for him didn't only want to sanctify my life, he wanted to work in his life. And when I recognized what he had been through as a child and I began to get understanding and revelation, began to change the way that I viewed what his life was like and how it influenced my life and I was able to actually move to a place of forgiveness. Once I moved to a place of forgiveness, I was actually able to show him in small parts love. I never fully got there because he passed away maybe eight years ago and we weren't in a great relationship. I don't know how long ago it was. But I was on the journey toward that. But it is a journey with God. And it's when God restores us, and we begin to go on that journey of sanctification and holiness. We're able to actually then love others.
1: So, that's huge. Jono, how has how it shaped for you, how your, your encounter with God? How does it shape your daily interactions with people? Um, well, it's, it's a little bit
2: interesting because um, of my my upbringing stuff, we were we were raised um, in what I would call a non practicing Christian home. So we were raised with the with the Christian morals of love and respect and and the the list goes and and the way that my response to God changed my response to people was that it went from if someone would come to me with something, if someone would engage me in, in a problem or, or ask me to solve it. It was it was a sense of apathy or sympathy of I feel bad for you but I don't feel for you and it the introduction of God's love actually allowed me to then become empathetic with people and so actually I share that feeling with you and my heart breaks with you, not for you, you know, and and it's it's you see I see it in youth work now from what I've been doing where it's it's the introduction of God's love in my life has allowed me to move through school, to move through the after school program and, and all of the stuff that we do with an empathetic step instead of a sympathetic step of saying, actually this is I'm with you, not for you, uh, in those in those feelings, and that was just all down to to the response from God. It's the response I made um, um, to God, and and as we were talking about earlier, it's it's now that transition of with a response comes a responsibility, uh, which is that I need to push that upwards and send that, you know, say God, here this the, I've I've got this. Let me give it to you, and let you work with it, uh, and you deal with it, and and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, that's awesome. What's it look like for you, Johnny?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was really blessed um, with an amazing upbringing, so I I wasn't really one um, at least I don't think so I wasn't one to treat people too badly when I was a child. Um, so I hadn't I didn't have a big um, transformation in that. But really, really, my my biggest change was um, in the way that I was able to sacrifice for other people, um, I think, and in the way that I viewed my time, the way that I viewed um, I suppose more just a, out of a recognition of the, how much God had sacrificed for me is then to how much I was willing to lay down for other people, um, you know, for people that maybe I didn't get along with or people and whatever, spending a little bit more extra time. Um, and that's something I still want to work on. But I think for me, that was one of the biggest things in realizing, man, even the people that maybe treat me, ba- treat me badly um, or the people that I don't get along with, they still deserve, my time, they still de- deserve my attention and my love. And so, um, for me, it was more of a round of what am I going to do with what I've been given to, to then give on to other people.
1: So, how do you guys keep it fresh and and keep this this love and this compassion towards people growing? How do you continue to see it develop in your life? What is what has been some, I guess, what have been some things that have been important to you guys in making sure that you know that you continue to do this because it, it can get really hard and it can get really challenging sometimes. Um,
2: yeah, it, it's it's one of these things where uh, it's a it's a personal step that we have to make. Of of as i was saying, like you've got to if, if you're taking this stuff and and people are asking you for that that signal of response of how do we respond or what do, what's is, what's different about you and and stuff like that. If, if we wear that, we've got to you know we've got to push them and that well, not push them, but you know. We've got to lead them in that right direction of of going, you know, the response is there and and kind of leading them down the path. And um, I'm losing where I'm going with this. But, yeah, just kind of getting that,
3: just leading them down the path, yeah. Shall I pick up on the path you're leading down? That would be awesome. Um, You know, for me, I think empathy is a great word. I look at people's brokenness and I see my own brokenness. Uh, I see even my past, my journey. And I guess for me, that's where my heart is moved for people. I I had someone share with me, I can't remember who it is, but they're possibly in the front row because that's where I hear from. But uh, if you don't stay soft before God and soft towards people, God will take you through another storm in order to make sure that you do. Uh, And I thought thought on that and thought, am am I naturally caring? I am to a degree, but it's what I've been through in my life that gives me a deep sense of empathy for others. Now, not everyone goes through that. But I think when you spend time in, with God, in the presence of God, uh, as I said this morning again, time in his word, time in his presence, uh, you receive the heart of Christ yeah. for people. Yeah. You, you receive that revelation. I forgot to unzip, by the way. Um, so that's, for me, that's, that's just really, and it yeah. sounds cliche and it sounds just... Yeah, that's the Christian thing to say, but actually that's the reality.
0: Yeah, no, it's massive. It's the same, I was gonna say the same thing. It's, it's the spending time with God, the spending time in his word, because it is, it's about being on mission. Because actually the way we respond to others, at the end of the day, we wanna lead people to Christ. Um, and we want people to experience, for me, that's the thing. It's, I, I want people to experience the hope that I have. Really is the biggest thing, is I have, this, I have this hope and this joy in my life. And I see so many people who are just so hopeless, and I, and I know that there's, there's so much more like at, at youth um, the past two years, we've, we've um, tried to use John 10:10, 10, 10, where Jesus says, I've come that you might have life abundant. And in the sense that there is a hope that Jesus has for you and for, for young people. And so really the way I respond to others is, man, I, I, I want them to, to feel this hope, but I can only carry that if I've, got, if, I, if I've got the mission of Jesus in my heart and if I'm spending time with him and being reminded every time of it's actually about these people.
3: And faith is, can I just say this before you stop it? Because I knew you were about to stop it. Um, The journey of transformation for all of us is both Spirit, Holy Spirit, and people. God's used both. I know you say that's Holy Spirit led all of it, it, and it is. But I think the Holy Spirit does a work in us. But God sends wonderful people into your life to also say, hey, hang on a minute. Have you thought about the way you spoke then and how that sounds to people or how you made that person feel in this situation? So mentoring, fathering, uh, leadership are really, really valuable in this trans- or sanctification transformation and also in the fact that we hold each other accountable to how we treat people. Really important.
1: We can only lead people if we've learned the way. Can't we? And hope we you know, our hope and our prayer is that people would look at us as a faith community and see how we how we love and how we treat people even within this and how we grow each other yeah. and something that points to, to God's love and compassion as well. Though. Cool, awesome. Thanks so much guys. Hey John, would you pray for us as we yeah. as we close this off.
0: Father, we thank you that you are willing to get your hands dirty to be close to us. that that you look past our faults, you look past our mistakes, our failings, the things that we've done, and you say, I wanna stay at your house today. And Lord, we ask that that would drive us, that that would push us into the way that we love and care for the people around us. Lord, would that be the heart behind our interactions in our workplace, in our school, at university, wherever we are, God, that we would be responding to people in a way that draws them closer to you in a way that leads them to you and shows them the goodness that you have and the hope that they can carry in your mighty name. Praise you, Lord. Let's sing together.